this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Oh boy, Wheeler is going to be jealous for this one. We are at Blue Goose Cantina doing our Yolitics episode this week, and we're here for a couple of reasons. The main reason we are here is because Blue Goose Cantina, the original on Lower Greenville, 2905 Greenville Avenue, is closing on the 19th. Not for good, it's going to be moving. And we have Nick Peterson here, the Chief Executive Officer. Nick, thanks for having us over here, first of all, man. Ah, thank you very much, Jason. It's a, a pleasure to have you all here. Well, let me ask you this. When I heard the news that you guys, for people who don't know Blue Goose, who might be listening to us from another place, Blue Goose Cantina is an institution. When I, when I was still in Houston before I moved to Dallas, this is one of the first places, this is the first place that my buddies took me to is to Blue Goose here. <laughs> I moved here and I had many a drink on the patio, which we are sitting on right now. So why, why are you guys closing up shop here, man? We all have uh, <laughs> had many a drinks on, these, on this patio. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, first of all. Uh, no, it was, uh, th- you're right. The place is an institution and ultimately it just uh, came down to uh, we, we weren't able to reach an agreement, and, and, and that's fine. With we're, the landlord. We're, we're fine with, uh, with, with that uh, decision. Uh, but we ultimately want to continue to grow the Blue Goose brand. We're very happy with where it is. Uh, it's doing fantastic. Uh, and we, we are going to continue to look for new locations in East Dallas. Greenville Avenue is uh, an amazing location. Uh, and we want to continue to grow. And the 19th of March is the, the final day, I think, that you guys will be serving out here on the patio and on Lower Greenville. Any idea when you might open up the next place? I mean, do you hope We're, to do it this summer, this fall? Or well, what? first of all, we got a new location in Grand Prairie that will be opening in the next uh, few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, so you're uh, working on by, that by pretty finger, hard. Yeah, yeah, fingers are crossed. Uh, but yeah, we ultimately want to continue to grow. Uh, as far as East Dallas, uh, we don't have a specific location, but we do want to uh, get back to this this area because it's a it's a it, it's significant to the brand. It's yeah. significant to. Uh, to me personally, uh, so we, we want to continue to grow. And your, your dad started the place in 1984. He, he started Aw Shucks as well for the Dallasites who are listening yeah. to this who might want to know their restaurant history here. You grew up, you and your brother grew up working here essentially, right? Yeah, so my dad started Aw Shucks in 1983 uh, and then opened Blue Goose in 1984. Uh, I was three years old at the time. Uh, and as the location grew uh, and I became a teenager, uh, my dad put me to work uh, yeah. despite my will. Uh, <laughs> despite my will. Despite all of our wills, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was, I, I started bussing tables. Yeah. Uh, that was my, my first job every summer. I, I grew up in Florida and uh, every summer I would come back to to Dallas to, to, to bus tables and then to wait tables and uh, be a bartender, etc. Yeah. Uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, and now you've graduated to CEO, which is uh, uh, yeah, it, it, overnight. It yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. So the second reason I wanted to come here was because Bernadine Steptoe, who's filling in for Jason Wheeler this week, is with us. Bernadine doesn't like beer. 
No, I don't, but no, I do not. But I like these margaritas. And if you have not, if you have not been here, you should. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bernadine likes the margarita, so that's yes. that's why I said, you know, where, where can we go? Because Bernadine will order a beer, and it'll just, or I'll order a beer for Bernadine. It will just sit there. No need to waste good beer. So I'm having a Dos Equis, you're having a frozen margarita. And our guest today, Jessica Huzman. Hello. Hello. Thank you. I am always thrilled to have an opportunity to drink tequila at noon. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, can turn this down, though? We I normally record know. in the studio, but it's always fun to get out to a place like Blue Goose or... Um, what are you drinking, Jessica? Yeah, what are you having? I am drinking a Paloma. It's nice. very nice. Very refreshing. What's a Paloma? See, I should know it's this. It's got grapefruit in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and a breakfast tequila. drink. Then. Yeah. I, I, was, I, needed, I need a little refresh. <laughs> so. Jessica is the editorial director at VoteBeat.org. Uh, before that, you were the lead elections reporter at ProPublica. I didn't know that you've also been a teacher before at your alma mater. I was. Really? Yeah. Columbia University in New York? Uh, well, yes. I Well, and then before that, I was a high school teacher. What? So I know I've, I've led several different lives, um, but no, I, I was in journalism for like a hot second in Dallas after yeah. I graduated from SMU, hated it, <laughs> absconded to Newark, New Jersey to become a high school teacher. Uh, and then went you, to grad school. You may school. be the only person in history that's ever <laughs> left Dallas, Texas for Newark, New Jersey. I loved it. When we sat down here though, you said that Blue Goose is the first place you had a a beer? I, I know it was a mar. It was in fact, it's not on the menu anymore because clearly the menu has been through several upgrades since I had my margarita. First uh, margarita? My first margarita at age 21. I came here for my birthday because I was All a right. student we, at we, SMU. We want to clarify 21. The 21. Okay. Uh, and I had a prickly pear margarita and I felt very fancy. <laughs> um, so I've ordered a Paloma because it is also sort of pink. Uh, and, and nice. I'm paying homage, um, but yeah, fun night. I bet. We, yeah. We've had a lot of fun <laughs> fun afternoons and fun evenings here on this patio, so we we will miss you guys uh, here, Nick, but we can't wait to find out where you guys open up next, so um, yeah, we keep can't us posted. wait to find our, our next spot. Uh, in the meantime, we're, we've obviously got uh, this St. Patrick's Day block party, yeah, uh, which blows up, uh, and I mean that, blow blows up on Saturday, so we, we can't wait for that. <laughs> 100,000 people here for that. Uh, Jessica is laughing as if, she, as if she has been to this event before. I mean, we, we've all been to this event. Times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few times. I don't recollect the event very much, but we've, we've been to it before. Yeah, um, exactly. You know? Okay. Yeah. That's how it usually goes. So we're, we're very excited for that. Uh, and then the, the following weekend will be our, our last blowout. Uh, we will uh, go out the way we came in, uh, offensive and, uh, <laughs> you know, blue goose style. Uh, blue we'll, goose we'll style. keep it, we'll keep it calm for now. So well, <laughs> Nick, we can't wait to find out what's next for you, man. So yeah, keep, keep us posted you. on that. So our, our topic today, the reason we have Jessica here as well is to talk about voting in Texas. So everyone thought that last legislative session, 2021 was the voting session because of SB1, Senate Bill 1, which changed a number of things. It got rid of what drive-through voting. Um, I'm blanking here. What else did it do? Got rid of uh, uh, drive-through voting. Signature matching. Signature matching. Revisions. ID matching on, revisions. On mail-in ballots, yeah. Little changes around the margins. No, no gigantic policy changes, but just made everything more annoying, I think, is <laughs> what I would how I would characterize And it. here we are two years later, lawmakers are back in Austin. Yes. And I didn't realize this until I reached out to you. There are more than 100 
election-related bills right now? Yeah. So they're going to do more surgery in the way we vote in Texas? Yes. <laughs> and I am laughing because I have one reporter in this state. It's like me and one reporter. And we're like looking at all of these bills, just like kind of like giggling because we don't know what to do. Um, so, but I think the upshot is that they're not done, right? It, last legislative cycle was, you know, during like the melee of 2020. And I think that they were overreacting and like doing a lot of things that, that they hadn't really thought through very well. Well, now they've had an extra year to think through all of the weird stuff, right? And, and so all of the people have been back with their constituents, especially in hot, hot red areas, hearing sort of like this feedback loop on their concerns about 2020, voter fraud, the, you know, Gateway Pundit's latest article, and that is influencing the types of bills that we're seeing now. So all of the conspiracies that grew out of 2020 are what has produced this crop of bills. So give us an idea, which, I don't want you to go through 100 bills here, but <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much time on the podcast. Um, but, but what stands out to you as some of the bills that we're going to see in the headlines that might make it out of committee, that might make it to the floor vote? And maybe to the governor's desk. Yeah, so I, I think that, so by law, Texas is part of a system called the Electronic Registration and Information Center. Eric. <laughs> Eric. Uh, and, and what it essentially is, is a massive data sharing program that runs voter rolls against each other um, from every state to determine if there's duplicate registration. So if I move to Colorado and I yes. register in Colorado, it's going to catch me in Texas then. Yes, say, hey. and so it will do two things. It will tell Texas that you've moved, but it will all tell, also tell Colorado to reach out to you so that you can register to vote. Um, and so it's, it's a member-driven program. It is run by the states that are a part of it. You have to give your entire voter roll and a another state database like the DMV. And so they match on lots of things, right? right. It's not just first name, last name, and birthday, because you'd be surprised how many Jason Whitley's yeah, were on your birthday. there'll be a birthday. lot of them, right? There's a lot of yeah. them. Um, and so they also do email address and social security number and all of these things. And so when they find a match, it's, it's very high quality. Well, Gateway Pundit, a couple of years ago, uh, put out a really insane story about Eric, um, saying that all of these activists had access to the data. They do not. Um, that the data was really insecure, that it was overly expensive. It is not. It is actually a bargain when you think about how much data they're working with at any given time and how they have to store it and what security they need to do this well. Um, and so because of that, there's lots of bills asking Texas to leave the program. And the result of that is going to be that Texas's program, like Texas's voter roll, is dirty. Like we will have no means to it clean it. It won't be it. cleaned up then. It will it will not be cleaned up. Yeah. So so they're they're defeating their own purpose, right? We've heard from years and years and years that Republicans want clean voter rolls. Eric is what gives us clean voter rolls, and now they're eating it alive. So why would legislators want to get rid of it? Your guess is as good as mine. Like I genuinely have no idea. Um, they have decided they've they've decided that the things that have been written in Gateway Pundit are factually true when they are in fact not. Um, so there's a lot of misinformation swirling about one of the board members who's been caught up in misinformation. Um, and they're saying, okay, well, because David Becker is on the board, he has information about all of our registered voters and can send out Democratic ballots fraudulently. I mean, it's, it's really like 
seven degrees of crazy. Um, but we have like really powerful legislators buying into this and writing bills about it and introducing it and taking it very seriously. Okay, taking it seriously, but do you think it's coming out of committee? It has, no. Well, do I think it's coming out of the media? Is that what you- uh, Committee. Committee, committee. oh yes, make it absolutely. I have been, I have spoken to election officials in Texas who have described leaving Eric as a done deal. Really? Yeah. And I don't think anybody's really paying attention to it in the way that they should. Um, and so if we leave Eric, we have to join something else because there is a law in Texas that says that we have to be part of a multi-state information sharing program to keep our voter rolls clear. Is there something else? No. Eric is the only one. And so there are all of these crackpots right now running around saying like, oh, I can match rolls. But what they're doing is like a V lookup in Excel, right? So it's like stupid and bad. And like, I could do it on my computer. And it's just as bad as like other terrible match programs that existed before Crosscheck. It will, it will result in matches that are not actually real. Um, and so like we've done this song and dance before. Like Eric didn't exist five years ago. There was something else. It does exist now. The something else was so bad that it went away. And so now Eric is the only thing that does this. And they're deciding that we shouldn't be in it anymore because well okay if it comes out of committee and I'm just going to so that our listeners can understand yeah. the process if it comes out of committee what is the next process like what do they do what do they do next doesn't it have to go through yeah so uh, it will it will have to go through the senate and the house obviously and and I think the house is less likely to pass this than the senate um, and so if there is any reason to be you know, reasoned <laughs> to hold. <laughs> then, then it's then it's gonna happen in the House. But the Senate, as far as I can tell through Vote Beats reporting, um, is pretty bound and determined to remove us from this program. And it's frustrating. Like I've talked to election officials in Texas who have been on the phone for hours with legislators talking about this and none of the concerns that they have are real, right? Like all of the problems that they have with this are entirely false and based on Gateway Pundit reporting. And we're about to remove Texas from a very, very effective program because of Gateway Pundit. And, like we should be smarter than this. And so what happens if, if Texas comes out of this? So it- what, what does that mean our voter rolls are dirty? Explain what that means. So it means that, you know, we're not going to be notified when someone moves out of state, right? So because we are in Eric, if somebody leaves Texas and goes to Louisiana or goes to Tennessee New, New or goes to yeah. New Jersey or whatever, then we know that they've left. We can take steps to remove them from the voter roll, which is exactly what Republicans want us to do, right? Like they want us they've to have a clean voter roll. It. They've been talking about it. If somebody yeah. dies, we get notification of that because they're because we're part of Eric. If somebody moves within the county or from county to county, they get notification of that because when somebody goes to the DMV to change their license, Eric is notified and Eric notifies the state. Like it is a very effective program um, and so when that stops our voter rolls will be dirtier but then also everyone else's will also be Texas is a huge state and so we provide a ton of data to other states like people are moving to Texas a lot I don't know if Governor Abbott realizes that <laughs> he, says it, he, does. he says it often uh, and but people move here a lot and and so we're not going to be notified that they're here the other states aren't going to be notified that they've left. Very few people contact the county to unregister themselves when they move like they do when they 
change their address. So it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess for us, and it's going to be it's going to make Eric as a whole materially less useful for other states. Let's talk about some other bills that are out there that made headlines. Uh, another big one that people are talking about is a ban for voting on college campuses. And, and this one uh, is from a freshman member of the House, I believe. People have likely seen the headlines for this. Is, is this something that, that is likely going to pass? Will I it would, make it out of committee, you think? I That's would be shocked if it did. I mean, like, I would be, I would be, this isn't going to make any sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would be shocked, but not surprised. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe surprised, but not shocked. Perhaps that's more logical. Like, I don't think that this is going to make it out of committee. It doesn't seem to have legs. This is preventing student voting in Texas is something that has taken up a lot of political energy for a really long time. Like Prairie View A&M and Waller County is a historically black college. It has had problems with them trying to move the polling location or like limit the polling locations for years. There's been litigation that's gone all the way up to the Texas Supreme Court about that. I think that that legislation would elicit a lawsuit so fast that I, I doubt that Republicans have much of an appetite for it. Like it would cost the state hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars. Yeah, there's a group called Voters for Tomorrow, Voters of Tomorrow, which yeah. is a, a youth organization we've had on the podcast here before Jack LaBelle who's mm -hmm. been on and when he saw the headline come out he, he texted me immediately and said hey we already have a suit ready to be filed oh, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah th that would so unless unless filed, the Republicans are willing to spend quite a lot of money to defend a lawsuit uh, whilst the Attorney General is doing whatever it is that he's doing these days uh, he seems to be <laughs> extremely productive so, I, I don't feel like they should take that on what is the onus behind it? I don't know what the, the reasoning is behind it. Yeah. Uh, why Why would we want to, um, I, I, there has to be some kind of, I, and again, I run restaurants, so uh, <laughs> my salsa is on point. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I can that's an contribute. Easy, <laughs> it's an easy answer. It's an easy answer though, right? It uh, is, it's I, got, I did get you a margarita very quickly. <laughs> Uh, so you. that's what that's what I, I, I can contribute Perfect. to the conversation. Well, I can answer this question. <laughs> so we are we are well suited. Um, the so you know the stated reason is that is is fraud, right? But it, that doesn't make any sense. And I would like to be more specific than that. But really, it's just somebody being like, campuses are fraud and bad, and Democrats vote there, right? But then that's the quiet reason is that is that they want to make it harder for students to vote because there's for years been this strand um, in the Republican Party in certain parts of very conservative Democratic pockets of the state that they don't think that students should be able to vote locally at all, right? Like, they're like, you don't live here. You don't pay taxes here, even though that's false. They totally that's do. That's false, they do, yeah. Um, you're not part of society, so like, why should you vote here at all? Like, that's the underlying current. So they're not gonna come out and say that because again, They'll get sued real fast. And they also vote more Democratic. Well, they do. Younger, yeah. folks vote younger, more Democratic. Vote, younger voters vote Democratic. So there's yeah. kind of a two-parter here, right? It's like Waller County, Texas is incredibly red, incredibly red, except for Prairie View A&M, which is not. And so they have a lot of political power and it's very concentrated in like one geographic area because they all live on the campus. And so it's... It's sort of been a long-standing thing that they make up strange reasons to limit voting on campuses or outlawed entirely. And this just seems to be, you know, frankly, like 
a, a less well thought out version of the type. <laughs> Which is questionable. Let's go to another uh, yeah. bill. And, and I, you mentioned one about um, voters, the mail-in over 65. Explain that one. So Bob Hall, who represents Rockwall. State Senator. State Senator represents Rockwall. Um, and I will explain why Rockwall is significant in a second. And if I don't, remind me too, because... I'm now starting it on my second margarita, so I can't make any promise. Um, so Bob Hall has introduced the bill that says essentially like no more vote by mail in Texas at all. And here's what that functionally means because Texas doesn't really have vote by mail, right? So the only people in Texas who can vote by mail are people who cast ballots as an absentee voter because they're out of the county on the day of the election. That is required under federal law. We have to allow absentee voting. Uh, the only other group of people that Texas allows to vote for any reason by mail are voters over the age of 65. In the run-up to 2020, Donald Trump started spreading a lot of misinformation about the security of vote by mail and saying, you know, Republicans shouldn't use it because it's inherently flawed. It will lead to fraud. None of that is true. Um, like We've been using well, it for don't. years. We yes, have been, we have been using vote by mail since, in fact, the Civil War. Have we really? Indeed. That wow. is when it started. Uh, and so this is not a new thing, right? Like we've been voting by mail for a really long time. Um, but it, it, it's part of that strand of, of doubt that like we can effectively, like Bob Hall is a man who believes that unless you are casting your ballot physically in person on a piece of paper, it shouldn't count. And, and, then the, and so they're, ahead, not, they're not even considering, because if you look at uh, numbers, statistics, the majority, a great number of 65 and older vote for Republicans. Oh, I know. So they're not even considering that or actually. That would that's, impact their, their yeah, bottom that's line. Absolutely it would. And, and so I don't imagine that this is actually going to pass, right? Like, I think that this is going to be Bob Hall every year that he's been in office writes like a dozen election bills and like they pass one of them because this is one of his like pet projects. He just bill after bill after bill after bill on really sort of illogical things um, because the people who have Bob Hall's ear aren't actual election administrators. They're like Laura Presley who runs an advocacy organization um, and thinks that fluoride is going to give us all brain cancer. Uh, that's who he's listening to, like genuinely it is. And so it's a bit of a mess, uh, but there's also, and the reason I bring up Rockwall is that there's no, there's no one to challenge Bob Hall in Rockwall, where Rockwall is so bright red, like aggressively so, and surrounded on all sides by red, that there's nobody, none of, Bill, none of Bob Hall's constituents are pushing back on this. All of Bob Hall's constituents are the ones reading Gateway Pundit. They're the ones taking in this misinformation from Donald Trump and acting on it. And so they're telling Bob Hall, like, we need you to do this, even though it doesn't make any sense at all and will, in fact, in the long term, harm the Republican Party because people over the age of 65 vote Republican. Republican. But, it, um, also but feeds in, it also feeds into that narrative yes. that the mail-in ballots are inherently flawed. And, you know, this is not a narrative that has been helpful to Republicans at all. Like, arguably, they lost the Senate in 2021 after, in the Georgia runoff, right, after 2020, because Donald Trump was like, stop doing mail-in ballots. And so they did. And then the Democrats won. Like, they this is a zero-sum game. Um, and so I don't really understand the motivation except for to say that they're like really deeply and 
powerfully convinced that mail-in voting leads to massive fraud. So uh, another uh, issue there, you mentioned election administrators. Yeah. Harris County has had issue after issue for elections. Uh, Most recently in the last election, last November, they didn't have enough uh, paper ballots which are required at 22 of the voting locations. Yeah. Uh, a number of Republicans say, well, these are Republican precincts, and it was, uh, you know, as all conspiracy. But there, there could be some real changes to this. There's a bill that would allow the state to replace elections administrators. Yes, it would. And, and this is something that Paul Bettencourt, state senator from Houston, is behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Patrick, lieutenant governor, and a number of others. This, this could go somewhere, I think. Oh, yeah, it could go somewhere. I, I think that they're really, really eager to hold counties accountable for their election mistakes. But what they should consider... Uh, is that Harris County may be the one in the news, but it's certainly not the only disastrous county. And I can think of two others, which I will not name because that seems mean. Go ahead. Uh, well, one of them is Star County. Star County, which is down in the valley. Uh, yeah. The very, Rio Grande Valley, South yes. Texas. Very Republican. If they pass this bill, that election administrator will be removed in a minute and a half. And why? Because they're, they don't, like, they rely on the state for so much. They constantly are making mistakes, much more, you know, the Harris County mistakes have been blown up, and they are problems. Like, it is absurd, it's objectively absurd that they didn't have enough paper ballots on election day, um, and that, and also that they weren't tracking that, right? Like, they, to this day, don't know how much paper they didn't have because they weren't tracking that. And when I tell you there's actual software you can buy to track that, I'm not kidding. So like, I don't know why they didn't track it. It's very stupid. I'm not discounting the problems in Harris County, but probably not very many people were disenfranchised by those problems, ultimately. Like the Republican Party has made a lot of allegations, but they haven't presented a lot of evidence. There's a lot of court cases. It's been a big deal. But really, the only problem in Harris County was the paper issue. It's a big problem, and it's stupid. Clearly. But there's like four or five so that it, are pretty big in Star County. Walk us through, though, this idea. Would the state, if this passes and becomes law, would the state replace an elections administrator with somebody that they appoint? It's because totally I, unclear. Senator Betancourt has said, you know, to us several times that, that he wants to, you know, get rid of elections administrators altogether and just go back to county clerks handling elections. Well, I, I think that, you know, Texas used to have... It's busy on Greenville Avenue here, if you guys could hear that. Um, the Texas moved away from county clerks run election run elections entirely in addition to every other job that they have a long time ago because elections are complicated. They take up a lot of time. If you do them right, if you secure what you need to secure, if you train the staff that you need to train, if you do voter education in the way that you need to do voter education, that is a full-time job by itself. And most counties at this point have recognized that, and the county clerk hires a staff-level election administrator. There are still small counties that don't have election administrators at all, that their elected county clerk is the one that carries out the election. So the bill is really sort of problematic in a lot of ways. Like one, it doesn't speak to at all how counties that elect their election administrator, because they're still the county clerk, should handle this. Like, should the secretary of state be able to remove an elected official? I don't know. The bill is silent on that. Interesting. And, you know, who pays for it if it happens? Like, what happens if the county says, no, we don't want you to remove that person, and the state says, too bad, we're gonna, and then the county's like, okay, you pay for the replacement. 
What happens then? I don't know. So that one might not come out of committee, or if it does, it... I, if it does, it's going to have to be amended significantly in order for it to make a lot of sense. That said, though, I don't put a lot of faith in the Texas legislature to pass bills that do make sense. We, we, co- we covered a couple of weeks ago a bill that they passed last legislative cycle that Bob Hall wrote... Um, would require them to purchase, require every county in the state to purchase voting machines by 2026 that do not exist and cannot exist. Th- this is this the is state law right is imaginary. now. It is state law right now. They have not yet repealed it, and we told them this when they passed it. We said, "Hey, this isn't real technology. It doesn't exist." And they said, "But it sounds nice." And so they passed it unanimously by voice vote. And so what happens? Because this is this is supposed to happen by 26 or 28? By 2026, it's supposed to happen. And So three years from now, mm-hmm. the, every every county in the state, all 254, are required by state law right now to buy new voting machines with technology that doesn't exist yet. No, yeah, it doesn't exist. And it can't exist. And also, even if a voting machine company were to invent it, like, right now, right, like... If I could pause time and they could invent it today, it would have to go through a federal and state certification system that takes longer than two years. So like we're not, even if the machines miraculously got spat out of some factory right now, we couldn't even use them. Like it, 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 it demonstrates a lack of knowledge that's really astounding. But they have enough time to legislate to go in and repeal it. You know, that's a simple thing. I'm sure that they're thinking because they won't be able to meet their own law. No, they will not. They won't be able to enforce it. Yes. So um, they're just going to have to repeal it. It's a massive waste of time, right? But it's a massive waste of time when they approve it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's another bill, Jessica, that that makes illegal voting a felony again. Felony is misdemeanor now. They want to make it a felony again. Even This is what strikes me. Even if someone makes a mistake and votes and doesn't know they're ineligible to vote, they could get charged with a felony and face prison like that woman in, in uh, Tarrant County a few years ago. Crystal Mason, yeah. Crystal Mason, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that this is another, if this goes anywhere, and I expect it will in some form or fashion, I don't know that it will move in the in its current, like, very aggressive state, but I, I think it could go in, in some capacity. And I think it's also one that's going to end up in, in pretty extensive litigation. Um, you think so? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think also that that, it, I, that I think it's like mean-spirited in a way that most Texans, even ones who are really, really concerned about election security, don't appreciate, right? Like most people who end up registered to vote, who are not eligible to vote, have been handed a voter registration form at the DMV. Uh, and just filled it out, right? Like it was, how many times have you been handed a form by a bureaucrat and you just like freaking filled it out and then you're on a mailing list for the rest of your life? Like vote, registering to vote is like not wholly different from that. And so most people who register to vote then don't know that they're not eligible do so because somebody else has encouraged them to do that. And so the idea that that set of decisions could result in a felony conviction is, is kind of gross. Um, and yes, but so, remember they use fear tactics. Oh, they do. They it absolutely does, do. It will discourage people from going to the polls and voting with the fear that okay, I could face a felony. Exactly, and I think that that is honestly the um, 
impetus for a lot of these laws. Yes. It's not that there, you know, there there isn't a, there aren't thousands of people illegally registered to vote who are voting and casting fraudulent ballots. Like this is a solution without a problem, and so we have to consider that the law itself is meant to be a deterrent, right? So we're going to pass all of these laws that make voting really concerning and like you could face a felony for making a mistake you're just not going to go right like if you're already deciding whether or not you can skip work to go vote that day what are you going to do with your kid when you go vote like the the nearest polling location is half an hour from my house like eventually it just doesn't it's just not worth it right there's a new secretary of state um in, in Texas named Jane Nelson, the former state senator. And for folks who don't realize it, the secretary of state is the person who oversees uh, elections in Texas. She's a well-known, she should easily get confirmed, I would presume, in the Senate, since she has mutual respect across both sides of the aisle. But w- what should we expect for, uh, from her uh, when she takes over that position? You know what, It's that's an interesting question because I don't know. Um, we, None of we, us really do. Nobody I mean, knows. Yeah. I, I think that this Secretary of State's office is keeping her pretty close, uh, closely held until she is Senate confirmed, which may not be until May. Um, and so uh, we'll see when we know, if we know what she's going to do. Um, but I don't imagine, you know, she was a senator before this and she was not an extremist by any stretch of the imagination. She knows how the Senate works, which is a good thing for the number of bills that we have just discussed going through this legislative cycle, right? Like if anybody can, can can walk legislators, can walk other senators off the ledge, it is a former senator. Uh, and, and I hope that she wields enough soft power that she can do that. Oh, I think she wields a lot of power. Though, yeah, she, yeah. Whether or not she'll deviate from that Republican stance is another question. Yeah, and she has a lot of power. She does have a ton of power. And, you know, the thing that makes me optimistic is her predecessor, John Scott, was, like, very well respected in a way that surprised me a lot. Um, Like, he openly stood up for elections officials, finished the audit that the state did and closed it very quietly, like, went and met with all of these elections officials, testified in front of the legislature several times on their behalf. And... The Secretary of State in Texas is not elected where they're appointed. And by the so governor. If, by the governor. Yeah. And so if, if Abbott's appetite is for somebody like John Scott, who he then praised, I hope, I hope. Underline hope. Underline uh-huh. hope. Yeah. Asterisks, glitter, whatever, um, that, that she is the same. I think I asked you this after last time we talked uh, during the November election, but something that that struck, go ahead. This is kind of a, I want to tell a story, so have have a drink there. Um, There was a Beto O'Rourke campaign ad last fall. I think I saw it on on YouTube or something, but it was Amy O'Rourke and Will Ferrell, the actor. And they were walking around, Beto's team shot this. They were walking around in Fort Bend County, nice little suburban neighborhood. And... And they walk up, it's Amy O'Rourke, Beto's wife, and Will Ferrell. And they walk up to this woman who's holding a baby out in the subdivision. And Amy O'Rourke introduces herself. I'm, I'm Amy O'Rourke. And then the woman looks at Will Ferrell and says, are you that guy from TV? And Will goes into his little thing and says, yeah. So after they, you know, take pictures and stuff like that, the woman, uh, Amy says to the woman, well, my husband's running for governor, and uh, we'd like to have your vote if you've thought about voting uh, at all. 
her reaction struck me. She said, yeah, this was October of last okay. year, before the November election. She said, yeah, I did hear something. I've seen something about an election coming up. We have 18 million people who are eligible to vote in this state. What, 10 or 11 actually vote? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, it, well, yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's about right, I think. Texas is among the lowest voting states. And is it because of bills like this that we're seeing, or is Texas doing something else it's that, hard. that's keeping people at home? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think that so much of voting is cultural, um, and, and there are states in which voting and the sort of community respect and also like infrastructure to get people to the polls exists in a much more meaningful way than it does in what, Texas. Tell me what you mean, cultural. Vo so, voting's cultural, you said. Yeah, so like think about if your parents voted, you are much more likely to vote. And if your grandparents voted, your parents are more likely to vote. And so it is generational in a way that I don't think people really realize. And so if you think about a state, like if we, we can compare two states, like Texas and Georgia. So Texas and Georgia have similarly restrictive elections laws. Um, but turnout in Georgia is far higher. And it's because the population in Georgia has had voting rights and respect of them baked in to their DNA. I remember I was at a speech that John Lewis said that at. He was like, voting is baked in to our DNA here. Will Texas way, ever get there? I don't know. And and, and I mean, and, and the population in Texas makes it a little bit more difficult because we're talking about people who have just moved here, people who are newly citizens of the United States, whose parents by definition couldn't vote. And so they have have to create that culture themselves and instill it in their families and so it's a it's a difficult thing to create um, culturally and and these bills don't help is is, is really the answer right I, I think that it would be easier for activists and for both political parties like really genuinely both political parties to recruit participation if voting was easier to do in the state. Like something, it's hard to convince people to do something that's hard to do. Uh, and so the harder you make it, the harder it is to convince people that they should start doing it. So without some jump start, I'm not really sure when Texas moves from like no votes to votes. Well, you know what, these laws that they're, they're, they're passing or creating or however you want to describe it, is it intentional? To keep it generational, where where you don't have the voting um, desire to go vote, you know what? Is I don't, that intentional? I don't know. Do I don't know if it's. I don't know if that's if they have that specific reason in their mind. You know, I think that most people that I talk to who really want things like this to pass are living in such an information bubble that they genuinely think that voter fraud is a rampant problem. And they genuinely believe that a lot of illegals are registered to vote. Like they genuinely believe these things and they genuinely believe that these bills will solve those very real problems. And so I don't, you know, I think that the people creating those lies probably have that in mind. Well, yeah, because I want to ask, why do you think they genuinely believe these things that have been proven over and over not to be Because true? they are not reading us disprove them. They are reading Gateway Pundit. They are reading Fox News. They are reading 
they're reading a lot of stuff that like has no had does not have the same ties to fact or reality that local news does or that legacy papers do or that nonprofits who have a mission statement and like open documentation online do like these are not places that are married to fact but that is what they're reading and so you know like you talk to these folks like I talk to them every day people who really really believe that voter fraud is like rampant um, even though they can't actually point to any examples um, and they're reading Fox News, Gateway Pundit, OAN, Newsmax, and they're only reading those things. And for con, so, go ahead, Bernadette. So, Jessica, these are the rank and file or everyday voters that you're talking to, and not necessarily legislators or those who are actually pushing the bill. Not necessarily. And the legislators are doing this because they're hearing from their constituents that they must. Like, the legislators aren't making this up. Like, when they say, like, my constituents are really upset about this, they are absolutely correct. And, like, that they don't have the courage to challenge their constituents is problematic. But their constituents are coming to them with these problems and saying, like, voter fraud is real. And they could say, no, it isn't, right? They could, And they could say, you know, non-citizens are not registered to vote. And this is yeah. the number of people, you know, they could do a lot of things that they're not doing, but the media environment that their constituents exist in right now um, has really led a lot of them to believe that these things are problematic in a way that needs to be urgently addressed. And, and the stats we rely on, for our listeners who may not realize this, are stats from the Texas Attorney General's office, from Ken Paxton's office, uh, which would, which would you know, prosecute these crimes with uh, local DAs if these happen. I remember doing a public uh, records, not a public, a, a public affair, what do you, Public information. Uh, public request? information. It's been a couple of minutes since I ah. did that. A, a public information request, a PIR, and uh, asking for this a few years ago from the Attorney General's office. And I think for, for what, 10 or 11 million voters, probably eight or nine million at that time, there were, you know, 10, 12 mm -hmm. statewide, <laughs> which is like what, point zero 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 what, one maybe? Right. And most of the crimes that they found are misdemeanors. Right. And, and, and that sounds very unimpressive, so maybe consider why they want to change all of them to felonies now. Um, so because the Houston Chronicle last year came out with this fantastic piece that said, you know, this is how many millions of dollars Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton spent on his voter fraud investigation, he found 16 misdemeanors. So it worked out to like $750,000 per misdemeanor and if it was 16 felonies maybe they could justify that M makes sense there here's the last question uh, i have for you is you know I, texas is one of the hardest states to vote in we kind of covered that i, I think yeah. i read that texas is 45th out of 50 from some organization i, I want to say it's like the national council of jewish women that did that it was a, a there's there's lots of rankings and texas is generally 40 or below we're, we're yeah. down low are there any bills right now of these 100 or so that have been introduced so far are there any that make it easier for texans to vote jessica oh yeah yes uh they're but they're not going to go anywhere right uh they're they're from house democrats most most often and and they probably won't even make it out of committee if they get a committee hearing at all uh and and so there are there are legislators in Texas that care about this a lot, and they could prevent some of these bills from going forward, but theirs are not going to get a hearing. And that's what we talked about on the way over here, Bernadine. You were like asking whether Democrats had a chance to stop any of these. They don't really have a chance to stop anything in the legislature since they're outnumbered in the House and the, uh, and the Senate. Unless 
they reach across the aisle and cut deals on something else in order to get their bills through. Yeah. And I and don't. Yes. Do you see any of that happening? Because it's so, it's so partisan. I think so. In the same way that the last legislative cycle, a lot of these like weird little, like very strange um, elections bills got wrapped into the larger one, um, and they kind of got watered down, but the legislators still got to say, like, oh, that was my idea. I, I think that that will probably end up happening. Like, there, there's there's probably going to end up being some larger bill that sort of eats these other smaller ideas, even if it means, like, we're just legislating what's already in the law. Like, this is a very, this is a very popular tactic with reasonable Republicans in Texas, where they will find a way to keep the law exactly the same and convince the person who wants it to change that it has. Huh. And I bet they'll, they'll well, do that this a, year. That doesn't bode well to say that these legislators are smart at no. all. No. <laughs> well, they did, they did pass a bill to make us buy imaginary voting machines. So, uh, well, that's true. That's Can't wait true. to see how that bode well anyway. <laughs> Jessica, thanks so much. Yeah. Jessica Huzman from uh, uh, editorial director at VoteBeat.org. We really appreciate it uh, being here. And Nick Peterson. Ah, thank you very much, Jason. Man, it's, thanks uh, for having us here, man. We really appreciate it. I'm glad you guys are having a great time. Uh, super excited, super informative. Thank you very much, Jessica. That was really uh, interesting. Uh, I, I learned there was an asterisk for glitter. Uh, <laughs> and then I learned what uh, PIR P -I -R, uh, is, is. Well, if you need to learn how to file one of those. <laughs> yeah, clearly I need a refresher on PIR because I, I have done that. be prepared to wait. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They don't. They don't give up that information too quickly. No, they do not. Yeah, we're, we're we're super excited to have you guys here. Uh, thank you so much uh, for coming. Yeah, we we appreciate thank it. Thanks for thanks nice for hosting us here, Bernadise and Jason, uh, as well. Yeah, thanks for hosting thank us here, you. Nick. We really appreciate it, and good luck to you. Make sure you keep us updated, man, on Let's where go. where you guys go next here on the east side of Dallas. Uh, well, you'll, you'll be our first uh, host. All right. I promise. And we'll make sure that we, Wheeler's <laughs> with us on that one as well, and. and uh, I'll buy his beer for that one. All right. <laughs> Th thanks so much for listening, guys. We always appreciate it, and we will see you next week. All right. Thank you. Okay, y'all. The conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Eolitics.